morning we are continuing a series on a very interesting, sometimes very controversial, but very important topic, and that is on the topic, on the person of the Holy Spirit. And so often we disagree on what the Holy Spirit's work is or how he comes and, and the baptism and, and the sealing. And we forget to focus on the beauty of the Holy Spirit and, and how he works in our lives. And, and you know, we as, as, uh, as Mennonites sometimes have a fear of the Holy Spirit and, and, and what he will do and, and how he will work. And what if he makes us uncomfortable? But the reality is, it's good when the Holy Spirit makes us uncomfortable and gets, it out, gets us out of our comfort zone. And, and as I was studying this last week, I was really challenged with my view of, of the Holy Spirit and how I embrace or, or push away the Holy Spirit. And I was challenged with the, a question if the Holy Spirit isn't evident in our lives, if we don't see him at work, if we don't see the fruit of the Spirit and the gift of the Spirit, we see no life. Is he there? I'd like for you to take out your Bibles this morning and we're going to go, we're going to be looking at a lot of passages this morning. Because I believe as we look at the Holy Spirit, it's important that we look at Scripture and what does the Bible say. I asked you last week to try to figure out what PX third, what that means as in, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 being the theme of this series. Did anybody figure out what PX third stands for? If you would, you'd probably be too bashful to tell me. Well, let me just tell you, PX third, if you look at it, P stands for powered by the third person in the Trinity. Which the Holy Spirit is, off, is, is, is known as the third person in the Trinity. So, so we are powered by the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus promised that he would send the Holy Spirit down. And we would receive power when he comes. We would receive power to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But this week as I was preparing, I, uh, when, you look at, when you look at what Peter tells us in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. After the Holy Spirit came upon the believers... That was promised. Peter got up and preached this, the first message to the first church. And after he was done preaching, the people were, were, were convicted of sins. And they said, what can we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, the day that I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, I am sealed, baptized, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16 and 17 tells us, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 
I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. The day I accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in me. Now, Peter, when he tells the people to repent and to be filled, I'm going to explain that word repent. That word repent is a change of purpose, a turning from sin to God. And so often I believe there's something that we call false repentance that takes place. False repentance dreads the consequences of sin, not necessarily the sin. True repentance dreads sin itself. True repentance hates sin because sin insults God. And so when you repented, did you repent because you feared hell? Or did you repent because, because, of your, because you regretted the sin that you had been committing and you, 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 you were grieved because you were sinning against God? But Peter says, when you repent, true repentance, then he said you will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Now, I know there's a lot of disagreement on the baptism of the Spirit. There are those that believe that, that when you accept Jesus Christ, you are indwelled. You receive the Holy Spirit. But at a later point, then, you receive this second act of grace and you are baptized with the Holy Spirit. And at that point, you become effective for ministry. But really, nowhere in Scripture, when you really dig in and you look... Can you find that? Peter says, repent and be baptized and you will receive immediately the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we are baptized with the Holy Spirit the moment we accept Jesus Christ. And then there's something else that happens at, at the receiving of Jesus Christ in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. Turn there because I'd like for you to... to Check it out with me. And something that you should be doing as you are flipping through your Bibles. By the way, it will be good. You should always bring your Bible with you. That way you can follow along and you can write things in your Bible. Because it's good. It's okay to circle things and, and to write things down so you remember them. But Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse tw- verse 21, it says, Now it is God who makes both of us. And you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirits in our heart as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So at the moment you accept Jesus Christ, you are baptized in the spirit. And then Paul tells us that you receive the seal of the Holy Spirit. Now, this seal represents God's ownership on our lives. And ownership is to show who our master is. And that seal guarantees that we belong to him and we will receive all of his benefits that come with accepting Jesus Christ. You see, that seal guarantees our salvation. It guarantees that we will receive so much more when Christ returns. Because if you look at it, it says he will put his spirits on our heart as a deposit, 
guaranteeing what is to come. See, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit is just a little taste of what is to come in eternity. It is validating a signature or a contract that God makes with us. Now, there's lots of debate on whether or not if once you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, is that seal permanent? Can it ever be broken? You know, are you eternally secure? And so depending on whether you're a Calvinist or an Arminian, by the way, I would encourage you this week, when you go um, sometime, take some time and, and do some research on Calvinism and Arminianism. And just Google Calvinism versus Arminianism and see what, what, what the difference in the beliefs are. But, but a Calvinist would believe that, that you are predestined to be saved by Christ and then you can never, ever lose that. You are eternally secure. An Arminian would believe that, that all people are predestined to be saved because the Bible says that, that God desires for all to be saved and for none to perish. But an Arminian then would believe that, that even after you are saved, that you can forfeit that salvation. And let me read to you a few verses. First of all, in James chapter 1, verse 13 to 15, this is what it says. James says, by the way, if, if you, um, you know, our Wednesday evening James studies are really good. And we get together, four or five people in a group, and we discuss um, this very practical book of James. And I'd encourage you to come and to take part in that because that is how we learn God's word when we study it and when we discuss it together. But here in James chapter 1, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 18. By the way, flipping through these books should be fairly easy to you because most of you should have by now memorized the books of the Bible. Because you, you know that we are, during this month, we are memorizing the books of the Bible as the challenge. You know, we did uh, Psalm 1. 79 of you memorized Psalm 1. Now we're on to the books of the Bible. And by the way, we have been challenged as adults by our children who believe that more of them can memorize the books of the Bible than us. So we're going to keep track, children and adults. And you know what? I will be extremely disappointed if we don't, really. Because there's no reason for us not to know the books of the Bible. So that when we're talking about these, you can flip through and you can get to where you need to go. So anyway, I'm not sure why I said that, but 1 Timothy chapter 1. It says, Timothy, my son, Paul is, Paul is uh, reminding Timothy of the importance of staying faithful. And here's what he says. My son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them, 
you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and good conscience. Some have rejected these and have shipwrecked their faith. Among them, Hymias and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. So it appears as you look through scripture, when people willingly walk away from God, there is a point when they walk too far. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, it says, If you deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left, but only the fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Now, oftentimes Calvinists and Armenians get into this debate about which is right and which is wrong. Can you lose your salvation or did you just ever have it and you had a form of godliness? My reaction always is, you know, we shouldn't really get caught up in this debate because whether you lose it or whether you never had it, the book of Hebrews says the result is the same. That you will face the fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So as believers, once I have repented and accepted Jesus Christ, I am baptized and I am sealed with the Holy Spirit. But then also the Bible tells me that that I am empowered by that Holy Spirit. Baptized, sealed, and I am empowered in Acts 1.8. Jesus told us that you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Peter said, repent and be baptized and you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when you receive the power, you will be my witnesses. So herein lies the question. If, if there is no evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life, is he there? Have I truly accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior? You know, oftentimes I, I make the comment, you know, I don't want you to question your salvation. But the reality is, I want you to question whether or not you are saved. Because George Barna, who does a lot of church research, says that 50% of people that sit in our churches today are not saved. They have a form of godliness, but they are not truly saved. Because when you look at what Peter says, when you truly repent, you will have the power of the Holy Spirit evident in your life. And you know, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13... And verse 5, it commands us to continually examine ourselves. It says, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. And I'm challenging you this morning to examine yourself, to test yourself, ask yourself, is the Holy Spirit evident in my life? And if he's not evident... Why isn't he? Because the Bible tells me, and next week we will talk about the fruit of the Spirit. The week after that we will talk about the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible says that if if the Holy Spirit is alive in me, I will have the fruit of the Spirit evident in my life. And what are the fruits of the Spirit? Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. 
And we'll be talking about this next week. So I want you to go there and I want you to study that this week. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Because there's a difference between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Here's what the fruit of the Spirit are. Galatians chapter 5. But the, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, unlike the gifts of the Spirit, you can't choose one of these and say, well, this is my fruit of the Spirit. I will choose to have joy or I will choose to have peace. It is not the fruits of the Spirit. It is the fruit of the Spirit. And all of those are to be evident in the believer who is Spirit-filled. You see, when I receive Jesus Christ, I am empowered to have the fruit of the Spirit. I will have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and all of those things evident in my life. There is no reason for a Christian to walk around with a long face and being gloomy because the fruit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. One of the fruit of the Spirit is patience. It is love. Are those evident in your life? And the other thing you have to ask yourself, are the gifts of the Spirit evident in my life? Am I serving God the way that he has shaped me to be? Turn to the Romans chapter 12. And Romans chapter 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And also 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14 talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And there's some other places where there are different gifts of the Spirit. But, but those are the main verses. Those are the main texts for you to study. But I encourage you to go to those and to look at them. And, and to see what they're all about. But here's what it says in Romans chapter 12. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. In other words, in view of the fact that Jesus Christ died for you. Extended that forgiveness to you. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, let me ask you have you offered your body as a living sacrifice? Have you laid yourself out and said, Lord, here I am? Do with me what you please. Allow me to serve you. Allow me to serve your body, the church. And it goes on it says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve. Then you will be able to understand what God's will is. Has your mind transformed? You know, is your, your, our minds need to continually be transformed. And when I accept Jesus Christ, I need to dig into God's word and understand what it says and what it means for my life. And too many people today, they want revelation from God, but they don't want to dig into God's word where that revelation is found. If you want to hear from God, you have to read God's word. 
I believe too many people that, that they want to they hear God speak, they want to see visions and dream dreams, but they don't want to read their Bible, it's because they're lazy. And if you don't have a hunger and a thirst for God's work, is his spirit present in you? Verse 4 in Romans 12 says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do all do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the other. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. So everyone here who has accepted Jesus Christ has been baptized by the Spirit and sealed by the Spirit. You have a spiritual gift that you need to be acting on and using for the glory of God and for the health of the body. But then it seems odd to me that that in many churches, and I think we're more blessed than, than some, but, but they say 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Well, what's wrong with the other 80%? Why are they not using their gifts and abilities that God has given them? Their spirit-filled gifts and abilities. My question comes back to, are they spirit-filled? Do they have the Holy Spirit in them? Or do they have just a form of godliness? But as I study the word, it is clear to me that when I accept Jesus Christ, I am filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he begins to reveal more and more of himself through his scriptures. And he empowers me to live and to walk a spirit-filled life. As I get to know him more and more through his word. He enables me to to live out the fruit of the spirit in my life. Will I always be perfect in that? No, I won't. But I strive to, to, to bear the fruit of the spirit in my life on a daily basis. And I will begin, I will produce fruit. Remember our friend in Psalm 1. That those verses that we memorize, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. No, his delight, it says, is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree that is planted by streams of water which will, what, yield fruit in season. It says when that man is in the word of God and meditating on the word of God, doesn't say he may, doesn't see, it's, it's, an, it's an option. He says he will bear fruit. Now the question becomes, if I am not bearing fruit, am I spirit filled? And why this is such a serious question, because if you're not spirit filled, Have you accepted Jesus Christ? And if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, then your eternal destiny is hell. It's pretty simple. Where are you? Where do you stand? Where would you stand if the judgment were today? You see, when I don't see the fruit evident, when I don't see the evidence of the Holy Spirit, either the Spirit is not present Or the Spirit is being quenched. And my Bible tells me that quenching the Holy Spirit is sin. 
1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Some of you, I believe, are putting out the Spirit's fire. You are quenching the Holy Spirit because you are not actively bearing fruit. And why are we not bearing fruit? What causes that? You know, C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, in his section on the Holy Spirit, says that you don't... Now, I am not C.S. Lewis. I even have a hard time quoting him, but this was really great. He asked the question, do you know that God shows more of himself to some people than to others? Do you believe that? He says, it's not because he has favorites. No, but because it is impossible for him to show himself to a man whose character is in a wrong condition. He says, just as sunlight, though it has no favorites, can reflect off of a clean mirror, it cannot be reflected off of a dusty mirror. It says, when you look at the moon or the stars through a telescope that is not clean, it will distort your view of the object you're trying to see. I believe many people are looking, they're trying to see God through a dirty lens, through a dusty mirror, and aren't able to see him. C.S. Lewis says, the instrument through which you see God is your whole self. And if a man does not keep his whole self clean, his glimpse of God will be blurred. Is your whole self clean? Are you reflecting the Holy Spirit? Let me show you how I believe this works. You see, this mirror, mirror right now is fairly clean and it reflects, as you can tell out there. But what happens to us, you know, when I accept Jesus Christ, I am made clean. The Holy Spirit, he makes me clean. But over time, I get busy and my mirror gets a little bit dirtied. And as I get busy and don't spend time in God's word, I begin to get distracted and 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 my spirit becomes less and less sensitive and so so I get into things that I shouldn't get into. I begin to do things that I shouldn't do and I hang out with the wrong crowd and I begin to and I can no longer reflect God because at this point there's no reflection or very little. Now what causes this blurred this dustiness this dirtiness for us today what causes us to not hear god how many of you get frustrated when you're trying to talk to your children and you're talking and you're talking and you're not getting any response and all of a sudden you look and they've got their ipod they've got their ear earphones in and their ipod going and they can't hear you because because things are too loud there's other distractions Do you think God ever looks down on us and says, I wish you'd take those earplugs out of your ears so I can speak to you? Well, I think this dirty mirror, there are things that keep us from, I think TV keeps us from dirties this mirror. Because you see, so often we we spend hours and hours watching television. And oftentimes the things we watch and laugh at and get caught up in are things that God hates. 
We laugh at the things that God hates. Think about it. We laugh at TV shows that, that have sexual immorality. I mean, you think about things like, like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I mean, ladies, I hope you're not involved in that. Guys, I hope you don't like watching The Bachelor because really what that is uh, promoting is promise sexual immorality. I can't even say that word. And we watch other shows on TV. You know, Friends. Um, you know, it, it promotes wrong things. It promotes the things that God hates. And all of the other shows, all of the other things that we watch, not everything, but, but many things that we watch, dirty our mirror. We get on Facebook and we spend hours on Facebook playing Mafia and Farmville. And, and yet, how much time did you spend in God's word? And then we wonder why we don't see the power of the Holy Spirit evident in our lives. It's time we get rid of some of the crud. Because the Holy Spirit will never ever be fully evident or he will not be able to use you if you don't start getting rid of that stuff. And you will continue to quench the Holy Spirit. So there are two questions that I want to ask you this morning. First of all, have you received the Holy Spirit? Because you know, I was watching this guy named Paul Washer. And he made this statement, just because you prayed a prayer one day, doesn't mean you're saved. Because remember, Peter, when he said repent, that repentance is grieving at the sin that you're committing. When you repented, were you grieving over your sin? Or were you grieving over the punishment that awaits your sinful lifestyle? So have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? And then are there things in your life? Are you quenching the Holy Spirit right now? Because if those other things are taking control of your life, if they are what, if you're spending more time on the internet, more time watching TV, and you're not spending any time in God's word, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. If you're not using your gifts and abilities, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. If you're not opening to, open to hearing God's voice and being obedient to him, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. C.S. Lewis says the reason that we quench it is because of sin in our lives. And so what we need to do is we need to begin to wipe that stuff out of our lives so that we can again reflect the power of the Holy Spirit. But with a dirty mirror, I can't reflect it. With no relationship with Jesus Christ, I can't reflect the Holy Spirit. So my question this morning, where are you at? Where are you at? I'd like to ask the worship team to come forward. And you know, this morning, like, like last Sunday, like other Sunday mornings, you know, we're going to open this altar up. If you, just, if you just need to come and clean things out, just say, Lord, I need clean. Come up here. You know, maybe you just need to just to lift your hand and say, Lord, just clean me out. Make me clean. Help me to change. Help me to be more focused.
If you want to make a commitment to Christ this morning, you, know, you can do that right where you're at. Or you can ask someone to pray with you and for you. If you want to come forward, that's great. But it's time we get serious about our relationship with Jesus Christ because as Second Corinthians says, test yourselves and see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. So this morning is a morning for you to examine seriously where you're at. If you would stand with me. Father, our request is very simple this morning. Show us ourselves. Help us to honestly examine our lives. Give us a passion for you. Give us a heart to know you more. Help us to clean out the things that need cleaned out. Help us to draw near to you, to make you Lord of our lives so that we can be baptized, sealed, and empowered.